Hey, Princeton family, sorry I'm unable to join you today, uh, but we continue to have God's Word uh, wash over us in our life and speak into our life, whether it's me in person or me uh, via video. So why don't we take a moment and pause and pray uh, to the Lord before we head into His Word. Father, I thank you for your Word, and I thank you that uh, you continue to speak through your Word. You continue to disciple us and to create us uh, by the power of the Spirit into more of the image of Christ here on earth. Our prayer is that you continue that process here and now, uh, right here in this moment, that your word would, would pierce our minds in our hearts and cause us to live uh, more and more uh, along the way that you have shown us. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You know, we have been going through this series on the Lord's Prayer, and perhaps you've heard series on this prayer uh, time and time again, I guess. But we're looking at it with a little bit different lens. Not only how does it shape what we pray for, but how does it cause us to live in a different way each and every day of our lives? And so far, we've looked at that first word that Jesus said in his prayer, Father, and how we're to pray to a loving and caring father who desires to hear from his children. He calls you a child. He calls me a child, and he deeply cares for us. And, and then we moved into this idea of his kingdom coming and how God desires his kingdom to come, uh, not only uh, in our prayer life. It's not something, you know, not only something that's off in the distance, not only something that is just purely spiritual, but it's something that's both of those things where where God in his space up in heaven will one day come here to earth and they will be married together, a renewal of all things. And, and that kingdom comes when it comes into our hearts and our minds by God's word and his spirit ruling our life in a way where we follow him. And now we move to this phrase, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A lot of times that's the way we say it, but I wonder, do we pause in the wrong spot? Is it supposed to be your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Or is it supposed to be your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? And I would actually say it probably should be that second one. Your will be done on earth in the space that we're living just as it is done in the space in which God dwells. Now, I, I wonder, as we think about this concept of God's will being done on earth, as it is in heaven, I wonder if you've ever heard people say things like this. Well, if you're the praying type, or if, if you're someone who prays, I ask you to pray for this. Sometimes for individuals, when they think about the praying type or when they think about praying to God, it comes as the last resort. It comes after we've exhausted all of our options. We're at our wits end. We don't know what to do next. So we think, well, I must, I must have to go to a higher power. I, I must have to go to someone else because what I'm doing just doesn't seem to be working. 
you know, several years ago, I, uh, I saw a news article. Actually, I saw it a little while ago, but it was written several years ago. And it was on the state of the European church. And one of the individuals uh, talked about how he, he didn't really see a point in church. He attended a church as he was a kid, but now he found himself being um, disinterested in the church instead of attending church when he heard church bells, he instead began to live by a little bit different rhythm. He began to run on Sunday morning. I imagine that the sound of those church bells ringing in the morning was was muffled out by his headphones, uh, his earbuds as he played music while he ran. Every Sunday morning, he would choose to run. For him, it seemed like a better use of his time. He essentially said, I don't see how something like a confession and a few prayers are going to solve any of my problems. While Christianity seemed to grow in the Western world, much of Europe then had become much more secular. And and now many of the majority of the Europeans just began to see prayer as something totally irrelevant and useless. They thought, why pray when you actually can do something about your problems? It would seem that when faith that fuels a persistence in prayer disappears, well then the rest of the Christian rhythm of life, the rest of Christian worship then, well, then it just seems rather ancient. It seems rather out of date, like just a bunch of rituals that are followed week after week. And if that's the case, and if that's the way people feel, then they do give up on prayer. Why go to church anyway, if it's just utterly meaningless? Then, maybe like this guy, people will just put on their headphones, ignore the bells, and start running to a different rhythm in their own life. Instead of following the will of God, then they choose their own will. As we consider this thought about prayer and God's will, we're going to head to the book of Luke. Uh, chapter 18, read verses 1 through 8. It's not going to be on the screen this week, uh, but it is in the Bibles in front of you. It'll be on page 851 in those black Bibles. And if the students, if you guys brought your Bibles, it'll be on page 1,283. And hear these words from Luke chapter 18. And he, meaning Jesus, told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. And he said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. 
And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them justice speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? As we said earlier, some people think this prayer life is useless. It's the, it's the last resort that we come to after we've exhausted all other ways. Yet, in this passage here, Jesus tells a story to encourage his disciples that they should continue to pray. Let's think about the story for a little bit. In the story, we meet this judge. He doesn't really care what anyone thinks. He, he doesn't believe or care about God. He doesn't fear God, and, and he really doesn't respect any others. If, if you think about those two things, not fearing God and not respecting others, you think of someone who has a fiercely independent will. The judge then is only focusing on what he wants to focus on, not on anyone else but himself. Maybe he's kind of like the guy earlier, the one who ran, who didn't really care about God and didn't care about maybe what people thought. So he started running by the beat of his own drum, so to speak. Here we have two people, the judge and this runner, living by their own will. And I think when we consider living by our own will, an independent will, independent from anything else, we think about how we're living really in the contrary way to God's will. We're living in a way that's opposite of what God desires, because if we have an independent will, that means we likely wouldn't be loving our neighbors, let alone loving and honoring God. And this, this person with this fiercely independent will, this judge, meets a widow. Widows at this time were often recognized because you could, you could tell who they were by what they wore. They wore a distinct attire which indicated their status as a widow. And widows, they were often left with really no means of support. And so this widow that has everything to gain comes and petitions. She requests this judge saying, give me justice. One would hope that the widows would receive justice. In fact, if we look in the Old Testament, God's law in a couple different places talks about how how there's a punishment for not giving widows justice and that we should give widows what they deserve. But remember, this judge really doesn't care anything about that, so he does not give her any justice. In fact, um, every time she comes, he refuses. But the widow, with persistence, she keeps coming time after time after time. Maybe she thinks to herself, maybe he'll give me justice today. So 
she goes again, only to be rejected. And the next day, maybe he'll give me justice today. And she, she goes again and again and again and again, because she, the widow, has everything to gain. She never seems to be discouraged by that no that happens. And I think the Heidelberg Catechism speaks to this persistence and faithfulness in seeking God's justice. When seeking God's will here on earth as it is in heaven, it says this, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven means... Help us and all people to reject our own wills and to obey your will with no backtalk, for your will alone is good. Help us, one and all, to carry out the work we are called to as willingly and as faithfully as the angels in heaven. There it is. The persistence of the widow we could see as, as the the, the consistent faithfulness of God's angels in heaven. You know, it has to be tough being put in her position to keep on advocating, to keep on petitioning without seeing any results. And I think, I think that matches up with the feeling of Maybe the people in, in Europe who think, why would a confession and a few prayers have any effect on my life when I can just do something about my problems? Why, why would we pray then if we think we're never going to see results? Why, why would we have persistence in something that doesn't seem to be doing anything? You know, if, if that's the case, then surely, yeah, uh, trade in my, my church clothes for some running gear and throw on some head, headphones. Or, or maybe, you know, trade in that, that Bible that you grab in the morning for, for lumber and a hammer so that you actually hammer out some of your projects. If, if we believe that prayer has no meaning, then why not trade in Bible studies for tea times? Trade in Sunday morning worship for Sunday morning brunch with friends. Perhaps these people would say, how can you pray for the will of God when, when you open the, the paper or you, you look at the news, you see all of these injustices. We see all these this dictators who are who are oppressing their people. We see all these people who are, are dying because they're not receiving the, the necessities in life. Maybe some of us wonder, you know, will we ever see the day when lawmakers and landlords hear the cry of those people who are most affected in life? But I don't think it's actually only people outside the church. It's, it's not only this guy that's running. It's not only the people in, in Europe who are doing things that are contrary to the will of God. I think we see it here in the church, too. We see it in, in the, the scandals that happen within churches, don't we? 
there was a rash of them for a while, for several years in the past. When, when God's rule, when his way of living isn't present within the walls of church, when we hear those stories of scandals and we hear those stories of, of massive disagreements that fracture the unity of the body, when we hear stories of unfaithful pastors and elders and, and teachers, it becomes clear then that the church isn't living by the will of God. And, and maybe the church is hindering God's will and its further presence in the world because they're not living out God's will as willingly and as faithfully as the angels in heaven. So what does it look like for us to have that, that faith and that perseverance that the widow had to go time after time after time after time to this, this judge who, who doesn't care about you? Uh, well, the beautiful thing is, is that we do have a judge who cares about us. In, in the case of, of the widow, he didn't care about God, and, and he only, only did the will of the widow because he was afraid for his own life. Here, we're a child of the judge. We're, we're a child of the king. We're a child of God. And God desires good things for you. So when we come and, and petition to God that he would make his will come here on earth, just as it is in heaven, he's, he's one who desires that kingdom of heaven to be known and to be present here right now. And it begins with each in every one of us. It begins with me, the person that I look at when I look into the mirror. If I was praying, your will be done on earth, just as it is, as it is in heaven, but then I was only thinking about all of those other people, all of those other people that need to, to get the will of God within them, you know, like that mean-spirited neighbor down the road. I don't really have one of those, but maybe you can think of one. Or the, the only thinking about that person that cuts you off on the freeway, thinking they need the will of God to realize what's happening in life and how they're living wrong. Or, or maybe you think about that politician that you know, um, that maybe we all know, that, that lies. Or that corporate CEO that's somehow taking advantage of others, or you're thinking of that leadership and name whatever country you want. If you're thinking about someone outside of yourself that needs to take on the will of God, then we're starting in the wrong place. If we truly desire for God's will to be done on earth, just as it is in heaven, we start by rejecting our own wills and trying to obey the will of God without any backtalk. When we follow our own will, we essentially lie to ourselves, making us the, the most important person in the room. The late Lou Smeads says this, the lies we tell ourselves 
are the most subtle of all lies. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says to himself, I think I'll lie to myself today. No, the deception happens in such a tiny fraction of a second that even the self-deceiver, meaning us, is not aware that he has lied to himself. When when all of those self-deceptions, all of those little lies in our life where we insert our will just a little bit above God's happen, then what we do is we find ourselves living in opposition to God's will, being really honestly no better than that guy who chooses to run on Sunday morning rather than go to church. When we fail to look at the person in front of the mirror, then we can't live in a way where we say your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because we're not living out his will as faithfully as the angels. It starts with me. Nicholas Waltersdorf gives us an example of someone making, missing the mark of justice um, in his book called Journey Towards Justice. He tells a story about how he and his wife were living in this building along with the owner, and uh, her name was Miss Ansel, and along with another individual, uh, another couple, actually, an Israeli couple. And in, in the book, he says it was clear to him that this Israeli couple was rather poor. And, and he writes this, he says, Miss Ansel spent all day, every day at her desk, writing letters to world figures, urging them to do something to stop the Russian invasion of Hungary. She wrote to the British prime minister, offering to lay her body across the track of of trains that would transport the Russian soldiers into Hungary if the British government would only pay for the cost of her to get there. Miss Ansel, though, she had this huge, large garden in the back of her house with a number of apple trees in it. And the trees, they were ripe with fruit. The apples were beginning to fall, and the Israeli couple, the one that we had said was already rather poor, asked if they could pick some of those apples. And Miss Ansel tartly replied that they were not to go into the garden. The garden was off limits for her renters. Her eyes, Miss Ansel's eyes, were so firmly set on the injustice in the distant Hungary that she never saw the wrong that she was doing to her own tenants. Hmm. To live your will be done on earth as it is in heaven it truly starts with us. It doesn't start maybe with some far off injustice. Maybe it'll get there. But it starts with a renewing of our mind. It starts with the spirit opening up our eyes to injustice that is right here and right now. It starts maybe with, like Miss Ansel, the injustice that she herself was doing. Maybe it starts then with the areas in our life where we are doing people injustice. And you don't have to go it alone because God desires you to take on his will. You don't have to do it alone because 
as a child of God, you have the Spirit of God within you. The, the Spirit of God within us, helping, helping us make God's kingdom more present by following His will within our life without any backtalk. Without any, but I'd rather do this instead. The Spirit working our lives so that truly, when we look in the mirror, we can say to ourselves, God, I follow your will in your will alone. When we begin to follow God's will more, when we, when we do it as willingly and as faithfully as the angels in heaven, we then begin to, to live in a new way, live in a, in a way which makes us those kingdom bearers. When we take upon God's will, then living out the prayer for God's kingdom to come will, will come to fruition. And, and living out the prayer for God's name to be hallowed will come to, be fr- to come to fruition because it's all based on living within his will. We begin to, to live in a way that honors him and brings his kingdoms and seeks out the, the justice in the world. We begin to live in a way where God rules and reigns in our hearts and minds. And we live in a way that, that then looks attractive. It looks attractive to, to, to the other people in the world that maybe then they would take off their, their headphones and, and go have a, a conversation with someone who is living by the will of God making a difference not only in their own life, but in the lives of others. When we pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, it's a prayer that's for the redemption of the world, that the people with those fiercely independent wills would somehow come under the reign of Christ. That in coming under the reign of Christ, they could, they could join us in this, this radical effort to defeat and uproot evil in the world. To, to see all injustices, those that we had taken part of and, and those across the stream and, and around the world would, would cease. A world where God's kingdom has come more fully as will has invaded the hearts and minds of his people. It's a place when heaven and earth truly seem to be joined together. Let's pray. Father, I I thank you for teaching us to pray for your will to be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Lord, it's a deep prayer that involves our heart and our soul and our mind. It's a deep prayer that causes us to look at ourselves and our own life, asking the question, are we, are we living your will in our life? Or are we like the guy at the beginning of our sermon or the judge? 
who has a fiercely independent will that only wants to do what we want to do. Our prayer, Lord, is that you would shape us and form us by your Spirit more, more into one who takes upon your will without any backtalk, without any pauses, without any um, extra requirements that will only follow your will when this or that happens. Let us be faithful to you and you alone. Amen.